Hello, 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 everyone. Good afternoon. I am your host, Nika Shirell, and this is the ITCAST Real Talk. The ITCAST is our community outreach podcast that aims to increase diversity in conversations on health and sexuality. Through our work, we are creating a world where all people feel loved, honored, and respected. Please visit us on Patreon to support the ITCAST and learn more about our work at theitcast.com. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel and please share this work with your community. Before we begin today, I want to share with you that there is a trigger warning on this episode. This episode contains descriptions of violence and domestic abuse. Please be mindful to take care of yourselves and listen responsibly. This week's topic is real talk on domestic violence towards the masculine. We're talking about men, the masculine of center, the masculine archetype, and how domestic violence impacts them and how we don't typically look at it. So today in the booth, we have joining us today, we have Daniel Levels. Hello. Hi, Daniel. Hello. <laughs> we also have Alex Owen. Hello. Alex and Mr. Lucky Alexander. Hey, howdy, howdy. Hello. All right. Hello. Welcome, everyone. So first, let's uh, let's start the conversation by having you each talk a little bit about yourselves and why you're doing this episode. Who would like to start? I can go. Um, so Again, my name is Lucky Alexander. Um, I run an organization that supports transmasculine folks. And as a Black trans man, um, I'm, this episode is super important to me because of the work that I do with the transmasculine population. Um, I often see a lot of intimate partner violence that goes unreported, that goes um, unseen. And, you know, I've been a victim personally. So that's me. Thank you. Thank you. And I love the phrase intimate partner violence. Like that's a, that's a different, like that takes the conversation to a different level. Right. It takes the, the it takes the gendering out of it too. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Who would like to share next? I go. Um, I'm Daniel Levels. Uh, I'm not sure what question I'm supposed to be answering outside of my name. Yeah, uh, just a little bit about yourself and why you chose to do this episode. Well, uh, I'm about to be 45. I'm your older brother. That's why I chose <laughs> to do the episode. Um, I've had domestic <laughs> violence situations done to me. Uh, and I wasn't supposed to react to things in the way that I did because I am a man. And I got PTSD behind it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sorry, I didn't announce that that um, you are my brother, everyone. This is my brother, Daniel Levels. He's one of our most loyal listeners, and I'm honored to have you on the show and to, you know, to really be a part of you sharing your story. So thank you. Yeah. Alex? Yeah. Hi, uh, I'm Alex. I'm a co-owner of Ethology Collective, uh, where we try to spread education and build community stuff. Uh, this is a important podcast for me because I have uh, experienced 
domestic violence. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you all. Um, and I'm really, really grateful to be having this conversation. So I'm curious to know, since, uh, since you brought this up, Daniel, if we could actually start the conversation by talking about PTSD and how this has impacted you long-term. Well, when I was in the military, my daughter was being molested and it was a hushy, hushy thing coming from her mom. Like she wanted to keep everything under wraps and I was literally like losing my stuff and spazzing out. I couldn't keep my military bearing. So I, I, choose, I chose to leave the military to come home to a situation that I was unable to do anything about. Yeah. And that had a that had a huge impact. I can I can see. Um, can you say more about not being able to do anything about it? Well, powerlessness is one of my biggest triggers. And when when I was still enlisted, like there was several other things I could have done. I could have got uh my captain's ear or, or somebody in my command, I could have let know what was going on, but I was scared of the consequences of my children being taken away from me as well. So it was like a danged if you do, danged if you don't situation. I didn't know any better. I did the best that I could, but it just wasn't good enough for me or my children. Yeah. Yeah. We all are doing the best we can. And I think that's one of the most critical things about this episode is that, you know, we stumble, we make mistakes, and we end up in situations that do or don't serve us. Um, yeah, I would love to hear some other, uh, luckier Alex, what your relationship is to like the long term effects. Um, I can go. Uh, so in my experience, um, it was my uh, ex-spouse and um, I wasn't allowed to talk to anybody that I knew. Like I couldn't talk to my family. I couldn't talk to my friends. Um, I wasn't even allowed to talk to the guy at the grocery store to like get rung up or anything. Um, no neighbors, nothing. And so even now I have a hard time talking to people because I spent a long time not talking to people and it took me probably three years to get to where I am now even though it's been like forever ago but I wouldn't talk to anybody I wouldn't let people near me it was really hard um coming back from that situation um and like I still get the nightmares, uh, even though it's been many years, and uh, I have to like take medications for it. Like my PTSD is, is shitty. Um, I'm also sorry for your daughter's experience in the military. I know that that stuff is really awful in the military. I appreciate that. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. Um, Lucky, would you like to say anything? Sure. Um, 
I've had several different types of experiences. Um, Daniel, I can relate. My daughter was also molested seven years old and like they, they kept me from the, the predator because the predator was 15. Um, and to have it done to me like earlier in life, um, <clears throat> you know, when I was younger, I didn't know how to navigate relationships. I didn't know how to navigate um, uh, decisions around like what I will and will will not like determine that I'm going to deal with, right? Um, and so because of, you know, the uniqueness of my situation around being trans and all of those different things, I kind of just went with whoever liked me. Um, and so now it, it puts me in a different situation where now I'm married, but prior to that, like I didn't trust very much. I didn't commit to relationships. Um, I was always paranoid that it was just going to fall apart or it was my fault because a lot of what I went through was gaslighting. A lot of what I went through was more emotional than physical. Um, so it, it makes you kind of have to rebuild yourself. It makes you have to. And then even when you rebuild yourself, there's still pieces that are missing and you know, you don't realize that they're missing until you go looking for them later on. Um, and so I think that's one thing that folks don't understand about like the healing process around the PTSD, around just the, the abuse in, in particular, is that oftentimes we don't know how much damage is being done till way after when you're looking for that particular facet of yourself. Um, you know, I, I didn't realize how scared I was of, of certain things until like I was made to interact and I was like, why I shouldn't feel like this right now. I don't understand why I feel like this. Um, and then on top of that, not having space to express that just made it that much worse. Yeah. One of the things I've said is um, all abuse is psychological abuse and that can have a heavy toll. Alex, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say something. Um, I can relate to, to Lucky's share. Um, when I got back from my ex, um, one of my friends I reconnected with took me to San Francisco to like get a shirt for her boyfriend. Because uh, there's like, you know, those custom shirt shops where you can like get them like printed right there. And uh, I had seen the guy before. And like for some reason, I panicked because he came up behind me and touched me on my shoulder and I like went into a huge crying fit and like had to leave the store immediately and like I haven't been back because it was so embarrassing for me to to not even think that that would be an issue and to have broken down like that <laughs> you know it was hard and so like I get the whole like trying to relearn and re-navigate how to get around situations that you didn't think were going to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah, that's what PTSD does. That's how it operates. Um, thank you both for your shares. Um, thank, thank you. Actually, we were talking about uh, the long-term effects of PTSD. So um, one of the things that you brought up, Lucky, was gaslighting. Can you talk a little bit about what that is? So 
from the research that I've done, gaslighting is a very long process of brainwashing a person um, into thinking that, you know, they're the problem, they're the reason. Um, and it's, it's a mechanism that's used to control a person. And it's something that narcissists use specifically um, to just kind of gain control of a person, their being, their function, um, to do what they want you to do, right? And you don't realize it's happened till it's already happened. You don't realize, um, and even that, you, it's murky to see through. Um, I got to a point where I didn't real, I didn't recognize who I was. I didn't recognize the person that I was looking at in the mirror every morning. Um, I didn't recognize like why I was so skittish because uh, I'm normally one of those super ready for the world, fearless kind of people, you know, like I'm one of those tribes. And to be skittish and scared and paranoid at all times, um, it, it made me stand back and go, who am I? Where did I go? Um, oftentimes folks go through so many different things. I personally um, attempted to take my life because just, I didn't want to deal with it anymore. And I didn't see another way out because all of the other avenues that I had tried because I was male, um, or at least male presenting, um, all the other avenues that I tried, you know, going to the police, it was like, oh, you're a big boy, you got this, you know, don't be digging them down like that, you know, and I'm like, no, this is real life issue, this is a real life problem, I need help, you know, um, and because I reached out and couldn't find help regardless of where I went, and even like there's no DV shelters for guys. There's very little, I said like that. There's maybe two or three of them that exist, but um, to find resources for men when it comes to intimate partner violence or even, you know, domestic violence, whatever the, whatever the violence is, there's, there's no resources out there. You know, like even, even I'll take this a little further when, you know, um, women are raped, they go to the hospital, there's a rape kit. There's no protocol for male identified folks at all. Wow. Thank you. I never even thought about that. Daniel, were you going to say something? No, I was just, I was thinking when Lucky was talking about a situation that had happened. Uh, when he was saying like there's no uh, there there's no plan or no no strategy for when things happen to us males and what I was thinking about was my ex-wife had broken windows in our home and she was acting a complete fool and my neighbors called the police and they came and tried to take me and it, that was just like running through my mind when Lucky was talking. I'm like, yeah, there, there's really nothing in place for men because I'm the aggressor all of a sudden because I'm angry. But I didn't create the situation. I'm not the one that called the police, but they see an angry black male. And the first thing they want to do to defuse the situation is take me away from it in cuffs. Right. Right. Because it's it's there's a lot of times and I, I totally get you, brother. Um because we're always seen as the aggressor. And then when you look at the intersectionality between race and gender, 
okay, black men are seen as threats before they even are given a chance. And the yeah. darker you are, the more of a threat you are. Uh, you know, my son was, I think he was 13, and he stood probably about a good five eight, so he looked like a grown man at a distance. And I sent him out to my car to go get something out of my car at my house where we lived. And the police handcuffed him because he was rummaging through my car looking for whatever I had sent him out there for. And they brought him to the house and I said, well, why was he arrested? Why, why is he being detained? Well, he thought he was trying to steal a car. That's the assumption you made. And so these are the same assumptions that are made uh, based on all male population. If you look masculine and you look male, that's a wrap. Like these are the assumptions you have to carry because that's what the world is giving us. Yeah. Thank you. You know, and that's something I had never even considered going into this conversation. I'm like, it's important that we talk about it because people aren't talking about it. And at the same time, to think about the deeper layers of like, people aren't doing anything about it either. There's no action being taken to support men in this conversation or, you know, like masculine of center folk. It doesn't work. Um, go ahead, Alex. Uh, oh, I was going to um, say that even when it comes down to like rape, if it's like in public you're supposed to yell fire because otherwise people will just keep walking and unfortunately it's a proven statistic that they've like done unfortunate studies on like and even still there's no guarantee that person is gonna actually like come help you once they realize there's not actually a fire so like it's a similar situation with men once we like start saying hey this thing happened people are going to be like oh okay but if they see it even still even if they see it even if the proof is there they're still like well you had to have done something it's still your fault you're the guy you have to deal with it you're supposed to put up with it yeah. it's just there's no reprieve right and as as a trans guy and being able to see both sides of that and understand how the world treats you how they perceive you um, being perceived feminine or, or not even feminine, being perceived as a woman, um, as masculine as I was, the men in my circle still opened the door for me, still protected me or still found it, found it necessary to coddle me. And then once I presented in the same ways that they did, then now they're knocking me down because they're, now there's a, a challenge. There's competition that happens in that space. But at the same time, like there's also no safe space for masculine or male identified folks to be able to express themselves without being called weak or a sissy or just being penalized for being emotional. We're humans. So therefore, it also comes with us being emotional as well. Right. Yes. And, you know, that's one of the things that's one of the things that I talk about when it comes to creating and shaping, you know, like, like anyone who is, who is considered male or in that gender normative uh, aspect that like, we push our men too hard to not feel. We push our men too hard to be rigid and tough and, you know, like, and, and strong. And it takes away all the aspects of like, like you said, humanity. Um, that doesn't work. And we've got to do something different. 
And for me, I think it starts with the way that we raise our kids. Stop telling our little boys they can't cry. Stop telling our little boys they can't wear pink. Stop telling our little boys that they can't do this and can't that because they're a boy. Okay, that stoicism is not gonna is not gonna help them. Uh, them being robots makes for very, very, very um, mentally challenged. You know, like the mental health side of that. That's a challenge for a lot of male-identified folks because of what the narratives that were being handed. You got this. You know that the phrase "man up" is probably the worst phrase on the planet. What does that actually mean, right? Does that mean don't feel anything? Does that mean you know bypass how you really feel about it? Does that by you know bypass that your heart is broken? Because guess what, guys go through heartbreak too. Right. No one says "woman up." Never heard that in my life. They Maybe. tell you to put on your big girl panties. Oh, right. <laughs> we still get to wear panties, though. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they still, in, in a sense, saying you need to not be how you are in whatever situation that is. They're expecting something different or more of you than what you're willing to give. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Um. So I want to circle back, actually. Um, Alex, you talked about isolation. And that's one of the forms of abuse that I don't think people are present to or get very often. Can you say more about that? Um, yeah. So what do you want me to say about it? <laughs> <laughs> if you have something more to say about it, uh, or maybe uh, either of the, either Daniel or Lucky, if you have anything to say about it as well. Um, but, you know, like what that experience is like or what it is. Oh, it's, it's very hard. And it was really hard for me because like before I even got with my ex, I was a very social person. I used to enjoy being around people for the most part. And like, I'm a way different person now because of my experiences. Um, I wasn't even allowed to talk to like our neighbor. Like the few times I did talk to our neighbor, it resulted in violence. Um, and like our neighbor ended up moving because she just couldn't deal with like hearing what was happening inside our house you know and like she even tried stopping it a couple times and um you know even down to like my job I like ended up going to school I was allowed to go to school and then I was allowed to get a job and I wasn't even working at that job for like two months before my ex had found a way to hire one of her friends at our job and get me fired for something I didn't even do and all my supervisors defended me my teacher defended me and I still got fired um and then like two weeks later I found out that she had planted this person at my job to get me fired and so it wasn't until that situation that I had realized everything that had been happening to me for years because it was always like, it's okay. I'll just deal with it a little bit longer. Everything's gonna be fine. There's a lot of stress happening right now. It'll be fine. And it's like all the excuses 
all for like just mounting and I was like well I was finally allowed to have a job so that means something um you know like I wasn't allowed to go anywhere by myself and you know it just it was very alone I I felt very alone and I felt like I had to depend on her for any sort of like interaction with humans Mm. and it was like her dad lived with us also so it was just like literally just the two of them in my life for years and like the amount of gaslighting I went through and the amount of like just horrible things and like he would he would hear what was happening and not do anything about it like he knew he even walked in on it one time and just walked back out you know and just it was very alone feeling because I literally had no one to talk to I had no one to sit there and say hey you should probably get out of this you know um I still sometimes feel alone but I also recognize that's just me like (laughs) not still getting over the things that I went through I'm not used to having people around me and even hanging out with people I can't be around people for too long before I start panicking and feeling like I'm doing something wrong um being isolated and the verbal abuse and the physical abuse I went through was a lot and I'm still like doing therapy for it and it's great I'm happy that I am getting help um but it's really hard trying to find people to talk to about um going through abuse as well because people for the most part get weird when you say oh yeah I spent several years of my life getting abused so I can relate to this movie or this show or this song or whatever and then people like clam up and get weird (laughs) yeah let's let's talk more about that I mean it's not something that gets talked about. And as you pointed out, like even when it's witnessed, um, I could never, I could never imagine witnessing someone who's feminine of center being, you know, like like being in a situation like that and not and like not doing something about it. Like it just seems like such a double standard. And to talk about the fact that um the fact that no one talks about it, even after the fact, that no one's willing to talk about it. Um, yeah. Is, does anyone have anything else to say on this topic? Yeah, I think that, um, I think that a lot of times folks don't realize what they're looking at, okay? Like when you see, you know, the young lady in the mall is, you know, pointing her finger and, and you know uh tapping her boyfriend in the head telling him you ain't shit and all of that that that's intimate partner violence it's it's you know what I mean like when she's pushing him to see how far he's gonna go or if she's gonna hit him you know or you see these YouTube videos where the girl's like you know hit me you hit me you know or you know just like I saw a movie the other day I can't remember the name of it but I saw a movie the other day where the young lady 
uh, one of the characters, the young lady and the young man. And the, the guy was trying to do everything he could to help his wife. She was going through an addiction. She was going through all these different things and she was cheating on him. And so when he served her divorce papers, um, she fired back and was like, you know what? This is your fault. This is your fault because you had a little fill in the blank. Um, and so this happens often. We see it happen all the time. It's just so normalized and so okay that no one says anything. They're like, oh, he got it. It's cool. And it's something that, that you know, from birth, we're, we're, you know, like folks are brought up with this socialization that it's okay to not be okay and don't say anything about it at the same time. There's no safe spaces. There's no resources. So how are folks supposed to reach out? How are they supposed to report these things? And there's no precedent that's already been set. Um, we have a comment from the listeners. It says, men are told that something is wrong with them for not tolerating disrespect, abuse, assault, betrayal, harassment, tragic loss, usually demeaning comments follow. Um, the point, the point, and, and thank you, uh, Venom, <laughs> Venom G54, that's my other brother. I love you very much. Um, thank you for sharing, for sharing that. Cause you know, the whole point about, we don't know what it looks like. We don't know what it looks like when we see it happening. And I've seen that a thousand times before, like it's, it happens, it happens on a consistent basis. And it never even, like again, so many things never even occurred to me, but that's why I'm glad we're having this conversation. And I'm glad that you've all contributed and agreed and are willing to be here. Um, I would love to, to get some thoughts. Uh, I'd love to get some thoughts from you, Daniel, around intimate partner violence and, um, and some other things, some, you know, some of the, uh, opinions you have around it no uh, uh my personal situation dealing with inter-partner violence i was in my first marriage uh, my ex-wife was seven years older than i was so i met her when i was 15 we got married when i was 20 years old and from the day we got married, she was trying to turn me out, like bringing other girls around and stuff like that. So when I fell into the temptation and went through that door, it was like the same things to make you laugh, make you cry. It wasn't about me being with other women anymore. It was about her being with any guy that I was cool with. It was supposed to be okay. But then she wanted to put her hands on me for going and being with somebody outside of her say so. And that was like the, that moment of reckoning when I realized, okay, this, this person is controlling me. This person is abusive to me for things that I haven't been abusive to her for, but it's, it's supposed to be okay because you're a female. It's, I'm supposed to just take it to the chin, grin and bear it and, and not leave or not have any kinds of feelings about it because what was done to me, I'm not supposed to have any feelings about, but what's done to you, I'm supposed to be supportive and caring. And I don't know, it, it kind of ruined me in a way because 
I've never been the same since. Even in this current marriage I'm in now, like I, I still do a lot of isolating. And it's because like, I, I just don't, I'm not comfortable letting my wall down because when I do that, I can get hurt. But keeping my wall up is a lot of things that I would enjoy that I'm missing out on as well. Yeah. You know, Nikki, if I could just speak to something that, that Daniel said, uh, this kind of goes back to the messaging and socialization. You know, um, I was socialized as a young girl coming up, but I watched my brothers because they were two years younger than me. And one thing that I know that in Black families is don't put your hands on the girls, don't hit girls. But there's nothing, there's no reciprocal for the girls to say, don't put your hands on boys, right? So I think that it really should be, don't put your hands on people, period. Like it's, it's not good to put your, but you know, because you know, I'm a little older and so old school, it was don't put your hands on girls. If she hits you, you walk away. If she put her hands on you, you cannot hit her back. But this is the messaging and that's generational. It's, and you know, like generations are gonna keep feeding that to their kids. But at the same time, now we've told them, don't put your hands on girls. And we've also told them, don't cry. And we've also not given them a way to cope. Mm -hmm. So now as masculine folks, we're left to our own devices on how to figure this out. And I think it's, it's beyond unfair, but it leads to, it leads to like psychotic breaks. It leads to I'm fed up and I don't have anywhere to put this and people blow up. And now I'm in jail because I was emotional. Right. And it, it literally boils down to just, I'm being emotional right now. Yeah. You know, and when men are emotional, we're angry. But when women are emotional, we're supposed to and mandated, expected to give them that space to be emotional. Yeah. That space is not created for us at all. When There's a double standard there. Yeah. When you're emotional, it's a threat. Um, and to also uh, comment on what you each shared, there's also not a protection for young boys happening out there. So like, you know, you mentioned you met your wife at 15, which I didn't know. Um, and I'm like that, there is no protection for young boys out there when it comes to sexuality and exposure and abuse. And like, I grew up, I grew up like hearing exactly what you heard, Lucky, like, you know, you never supposed to hit a girl, never, never, never. And as a kid, it was like, you can only take so much of someone teasing or attacking or beating you or whatever is happening. And so like, as kids, we used to fight all the time, but the way that the boys would get antagonized was very not fair. It was very not fair. Um, and also not necessarily protected. Absolutely, I mean, and you know, not only is the male demographic not a protected class and there's no resources around like holding them emotionally, there's also nothing given to them to say, this is how you identify different emotions. 
okay because mm. our our female demographic or our femme demographic has that that reach has that that access to emotional capital and they are able to um identify different emotions for males for us for guys okay there's happy and there's mad mm. okay anything that's bad is identified as angry anything that's it, that's good is identified as happy even though there's a gamut of emotions that that lie in between those two severities but for males for masculine identified folks there's happy and they're sad and then for everyone else there's a gamut but they're, they're never given a chance to identify emotions. They're never given a chance to, to figure out how to identify emotions, okay? Even as a trans guy, and I had that access to emotional capital, I still did not and was not able to identify emotions until my first wife and figure out like what this is, what this is. This is frustration, not anger. This is, this is irritation, not anger. This is depression, not anger, right? And so um, as a grown adult is when I learned to identify emotions. Yeah. Yeah, emotional. I've heard this term before, emotional intelligence. <coughs> like the idea of being able to, you know, like get, like be able to have compassion and get what someone's going through, but also to be able to get what you're going through and to be able to like take that in and not, not judge it, not criticize it and not assume that it's something else. Anger is a very complex emotion, it's very complex. And with all the layers, it's, it's often, I heard this before also, it's often has a lot to do with your dignity. Um, and that, that can take you down if it's not healthily moved through or you don't get a chance to move through it. Um, so I, so one of the things I wanna talk about, cause I was gonna ask y'all, what resources do you see to offer? Which I'm clearly discovering is a stupid question. <laughs> so <laughs> what resources would you like to see? What would make a difference? I think if everybody lived by the golden rule of doing on the others as you would have them do on to you, like the world would be a better place. But honestly, I, I just don't see that happening. Like uh, y'all was talking about earlier, how growing up in black families, you were told, don't, don't put your hands on that girl. I don't care what she did. Even you, Warnick, you had situations in your life where you fought boys. All the time. And I'm glad you won because if you didn't, you know, they would have had to fight again. But <laughs> that that's just the situation that men are faced with. Like, I remember being on the playground and little girls spit in my face. And it was like the most demeaning thing you can do to a person. Like there was a crowd around people watching and everybody's like, ooh, what you going to do? But I was raised in that household where I was taught you don't hit women. So it's like I'm being emasculated because I can't strike back. I can't spit back on you. I can't do anything ornery just to, to make you feel like I felt. It, it's, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's almost like being in a prison before you actually get sent to one. Because the, the mind state that you have is I, I can't do this. I have to live in fear of these consequences if I want to stay free. Because me getting upset 
can take my freedom away from me. That's like the only thing that I have to value is my freedom. And that's always under attack because of my skin color, because of because me being male. Uh, I'm looked at as a threat constantly. Yeah. And it's not that way for a female because she can feel the exact same things that I feel and go through the exact same things, but she has a different avenue to where she can act out and get these things off her chest in a way that men just aren't able to. Not allowed the space to. Right. Yeah. Lucky. Definitely. Oh my God, I resonate with you, Daniel. Um, I think that if we just redefine masculinity and, and really, because if you look at the two terms, femininity and masculinity, right? They're just a list of characteristics that are given to one you know, set of people and then the other characteristics are given to the other set of, of people, right? But all of those characteristics are interchangeable. Anyone can hold them. Um, I think if we were able to, to find a way to redefine masculinity and redefine the ways in which we treat each other and we kind of balance what this looks like for across the board, because why is it necessary to gender emotion? Why is it necessary to say that, you know, as a boy, you can only act out this kind of way or you can only behave or, or perform your masculinity in this specific kind of way and as a female identified person you can only act out this kind of way because even women are given the standard you know there's it seems to be a lot more freedom when it comes to emotionally but are still given a standard um I think if people stopped and realized we're all human and we all share a lot more than we we'd like to think um, we're, we're labeled in every kind of way there is, which just more and more and more puts us in silos. Um, I think if the world just said, okay, we're just going to be people as opposed to all of these other labels, there would be a lot of things that could be resolved. I know it's far-fetched, but it's a wish. What a radical concept. Right. We're going to be nice. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, one, and I love what you said, you know, like there's a list over here and there's a list over here. And one of the things that I've talked about is like toxic masculinity is not all men. It is the construct that we hold men to that's unfair. You can have gender toxicity no matter what, how you gender. Like it does not matter whether you are, whether you identify as a woman or a male or anything else, it's a matter of not putting, not putting the, the strictures on so tough that you can't feel and be loved or human or anything of that nature. Um, I think that's powerful. Alex, do you want to say anything on like what you would like to see? I mean, I think uh, they both summed it up uh, pretty well. You know, it's it's true. Like, if we can, as, like, a race, like, a human existence, like, treat each other well, it, it would solve a lot of problems for a lot of people. But I don't see humans being able to do something like that. 
Yeah. It's too much like right. Yeah. I think people are too closed off to even consider it as a whole. I'm going to tell you what I want to see. I want to see systems set up that actually allow men to be considered human. I want the response to not be, let's take this man to jail because he's having an emotional response or experience. I want to see the medical industry take this seriously. I want, I want for anyone out there who heard something in this conversation that stood out for you that was like, oh wow, I did not know that that's what abuse could look like. I request that you do say or be something about it. If you are, if you noticed like, hey, that sounds like something I've done, consider it, check yourself and really be mindful of how you are treating people. I would like to add, uh, I, I would like if, you know, we're talking about what ifs, um, I would like for people to acknowledge that PTSD is more than just a military-based experience because there's been many times where I've had to explain to people, you know, I'm sorry, I have PTSD. And they're like, oh, you're in the military? And it's like, you don't get PTSD just from the military. Yes, the military has made it like more acknowledgeable, but that's, I would like for people to stop thinking that way. That's big. Just want to add something on to what Alex said. If you see a situation, if you're, you know, walking down the street or you happen to see a situation and it looks like um, maybe a young man is getting upset, like really swap the genders. Okay. If it looks, if that looks like somebody's being abused, you know, put the, put the young lady or put the other person in the other position and you'll see it <laughs> that's the only way because folks are so conditioned to to say something when it's a femme identified folk they're so conditioned i work with seniors all day long here at the la lgbt center and what i've noticed is there's a lot of intimate partner violence going on and we can't shelter any of our male survivors because there's no DV shelters that will take in males, or they say they do, and they'll they'll provide services, but not necessarily give them a bed. So if you have access to resources, create resources. Mm-hmm. That's big. Daniel? Uh, I really don't have anything else to add. Um... I'm kind of glad we having this conversation. Like there's a lot floating through my mind of stuff that is unresolved I haven't dealt with and like I'm I'm just thinking about a lot of things right now I'm not really um I have really nothing else to say about the the conversation about the domestic violence and partnerships but um yeah PTSD isn't just a military thing like I've got PTSD from relationships yeah Thank you. Thank you. Um, I want to thank all of you for being here today and 
uh, and really giving and, and being a contribution to this conversation. I hope this conversation ripples out and continues far and wide and people really see each other as human. Um, I'll go ahead and wrap. So thank you everyone out there who has joined us today. This is the ITCAST, our community outreach podcast that aims to increase diversity in conversations on health and sexuality. Through this work, we are creating a world where all people feel loved, honored, and respected. Please visit us on Patreon to support the ITCAST and learn more about our work at theitcast.com. And also subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this work with your community far and wide. Thank you, thank you. And we will see you here live next week.